Hello fans, this is Danny Atwell, the CEO of Dark Charm Media and the writer and director of Dark Charm Presents. Our nation has been thrust into uncertain times with the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus, also known as the coronavirus. Um, many people are scared, many people don't know what's going to happen, and a lot of people are afraid for their families. Many of us are quarantined in our homes to try and flatten the curve of the epidemic. Um, this means we'll be needing a lot more entertainment and support to get through, and I know, rest assured, we're trying to uh, give you that um, option. Um, we at Dark Charm Media wish everybody uh, well. Uh, we want you to keep safe, keep sanitized, wash your hands as much as possible, don't touch your face, you know, everything that they've told us. Um, stay six feet apart practice your social distancing at this moment and especially if you do get sick please be cautious with those around you um like i said we're trying our best to give you the entertainment that you deserve and so with this episode six of dark charm presents we're actually going to be bringing you two stories in one uh basically this is our supersized episode and this first story is titled what have i done i hope you enjoy Stay safe out there, America. Do you really know the world surrounding you? Do you sometimes feel that other worlds seem to exist beneath the surface of space, time, and reality? Can you picture in your head a situation where all these worlds crash down around you? Can you touch the other side? These are the tales of the fantastical, the macabre, and the supernatural. Oldly influenced in depth by the powers that were, the powers that are, and the powers that will be. Welcome to Dark Charm Presents. So why don't you tell us all about it? You might know what happened. Why I'm so fucking jaded? Here's my story. This happened a couple years ago. I woke up to the sound of the thunder in the distance and a strange smell in my nostrils. It was dark outside and I couldn't barely see a damn thing. I had no idea what was out. I don't remember a fucking thing. My mind was totally blank. I got up. I walked into my bathroom nearby and I turned the light. I looked down, and I felt a horror just creep right into my freaking soul. My hands were covered in blood, my forearms, my breasts, my lower legs, all covered. It wasn't dry blood, neither. That shit was fresh. It was like I went into a dive at Elizabeth Bathory's playbook. But that shit made no fucking sense. I went to look for my lover, my sweet Eleanor. And I turned on the bedroom light, and my eyes couldn't believe what the hell they were seeing. She was, like, laying on the floor, stark naked, and she was covered in her own freaking blood. She was decapitated on the floor, and her severed head lay close to her beautiful corpse. Eleanor's beautiful blue eyes had stared at me in surprise and tormented rictus. On the floor next to her, covered in the life juices of my once beautiful freaking love, was a large serrated knife. My brain couldn't fathom what happened. I slammed the bathroom door and I slid down the floor, 
My heart was crushed in tears as I streamed from my eyes. Calm down, Deb, I said. I was reassuring myself. How the fuck did this happen? We just made love earlier this morning. That beautiful girl. Then we got into an argument about something petty bullshit and now? Did I do this? Did I kill Eleanor? I don't remember a fucking thing. What got, to, what got us to this point? We argued just before, but I never, ever felt the need to cut her fucking head off. We had some drinks after we made love, and well, I had a lot of, I had a lot of freaking drinks. It seemed to become a remedy to the symptoms lately I've felt in my life. My life is shitty! Then when I went, I was good and sauced and I fucking passed out. I passed the fuck out. The thunder cracked as it shook the house. It gave me the freaking heebie-jeebies. I mean, it felt like, it sounded like the soundtrack to a, like a horror film or something. It, it was not funny at all, put it that way. I opened the door. I peeked out of it. It had to be a dream. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's gotta be a dream. She was still there. She was still dead. I closed the door. I turned on the shower. I got it as hot as I could stand. I mean, I was Satan's little helper inside. It was so hot. I frantically began to wash the blood off of me. And no matter how hard I scrubbed this shit and washed, I could not get the blood away from me. What can I do? I mean, what could I do? The police are going to instantly think I did this. I don't trust the police. But, um, wait a minute. What if I just called them and I told them what happened and that I had no recollection of what happened? What if the evidence against me just went down stupid train? I mean, fuck! I forgot about the forensics and shit. I used to watch forensic files all the time. What if this made me look like I was guilty? It didn't matter anymore. As the blood washed down the drain, you could see the bathtub was covered in red like jaws. And then what happened? There was another peal of thunder. It reverberated above me, and the power went out in the whole house. It was dark as shit. I didn't hear any rain, but the wind, I mean, that shit was really blowing. All that was left was me in the hot shower. Still, Satan's little helper, with no way to see what the hell I was doing. What could I do? How could I explain this to her brother, Billy? Eleanor and Billy were, they were so close, just like me and my brother. I sank down to the tub and I cried. I mean, I was bored. As the hot water cascaded into my skin. I'm sure my fucking hot water wasn't affected by the blackout. But what was going to happen to me now? Do I call the police? Do I not call the police? I don't know. I became alarmed. I didn't begin to hear loud knocking coming from the bathroom door. Someone was in the house. Who is it? Go away! The banging got louder. I couldn't hear any voices. I grabbed the wash bag. I held it to my naked body. As I turned off the floor, I could not stop crying. I mean, I was falling. The banging continued. I was hysterical. There was nothing I could do. It had to be the police. I just pulled open the curtain and yelled, I didn't do it! The door burst open like it was almost off the hinges. And a blinding flashlight came shining into my face. 
I couldn't see who was holding it, but I heard the breath of a man. I opened my eyes to see Billy standing there with a scowl on his face. He was holding the head of Monster by the hair in his hands. He lifted it up and pointed at me accusingly. Look what you did to my sister, you bitch. Oh, no, Billy. I screamed and cried. <laughs> then I heard something in the background. It was unnerving. A, fami- a familiar laughter. A laughter like Eleanor. And Billy heard it too. As his mannerism shifted. As he dropped the character and let go of the head of his sister. And he made it a sick shot on the ground. You couldn't have kept your mouth shut for five minutes longer, could you? The laughing got louder. And the power went back on as I saw Eleanor. The laughing got louder, and the power went back on as I saw Eleanor, still alive, pointing at me as if I was amusing to her, that I was a mook. A switch went off of my head, and I went from love to fear to hate almost immediately. It was almost a damn joke that I wanted to hide away from the world. I had forgotten that Billy was a Hollywood makeup artist, so his friends... They could help make a practical joke look convincing. My fear, my sorrow turned into anger as I threw a sopping wet wash rag at her and I hit her in the face. You asshole! You scared me for life! We got you. Yeah, Debbie. Chill, it was just a prank. Yeah, Debbie. Just chill, it was a prank. Billy defended his sister as I knew he would. My brother would too. I got up out of the tub, not caring if Billy saw me and naked or not. I charged at that bitch. I slapped the living shit out of her. But Fru Billy came in and he separated us. Babe, it was just a joke. Eleanor's face was red with the impact of my slap because I was good at bitch slapping bitches. Her face went from a jovial expression to one of anger towards me. I got off of her and I walked into the bathroom. I was done with this shit. I was done with her. Eleanor followed, this time acting apologetically. Fuck her. She ain't sorry. Debbie, it was just a prank. Jesus Christ, why are you over here? Fuck you, I screamed at her. I turned around after I grabbed my suitcase and I started packing my clothes and all of my shit. I said to her, Eleanor, this is the last straw. I've had it. This was a line of abuse, and I swore to myself I would never, ever be with someone that abused me. So when I was clothed, I got out of that toxic place, and I went to my car. Eleanor followed closely behind, trying to apologize to me the whole time. I wasn't having that shit. I pulled away from her like a bat out of hell. I could have really killed her. I could have killed that bitch. Instead... I cut her away like a cancer from my life. I ignored every text, every email, every phone call from her. I also made sure that I was never available at my work to talk to her. I told them, do not let her speak to me. I do not want to see her. I had stopped caring, as if I actually cared in the first place. No! No, I did, I did, I I loved her. But what type of person admits that? That I love a crazy bitch? Did this make me as crazy as her? I've heard a lot that times would heal wounds and whoever originally said that should be drugged out in the street and fucking shot. Time does not heal wounds! 
Not like this. That ain't true. Time lessens the pain of certain wounds, but they will never truly go away. I got a new job in a new town, but I never really found love again. That bitch ruined love for me. At least not for a long, long time. I would give any woman or man the satisfaction of that. Did this make me bisexual? No. Just opening more options to me. Loneliness doesn't go away. Doesn't mean sex. I stopped trusting people altogether because of her. She ruined that for me. Several years passed and I was on the break at the cab depot. I was waiting for a call when I picked up the newspaper and I saw the obituaries and Eleanor had actually really died. This intrigued me. Even though I wanted nothing to do with her or her family, apparently she tried something like this again with someone else. What kind of dumb fucking cunt does this? She did this to me, she's gonna do this to somebody else. Didn't she learn from me? As I remember, she ended up getting stabbed in the chest by a new lover. She died instantly. Fuck her. The police came to my house to see the handiwork of her brother as well as her lover, who had flipped out and flicked on her lid. She never, ever learned that dealing with someone emotionally like that would be a problem for her down the line. Shit, it was. I threw the paper into the garbage can to the chagrin of some of my fellow cabbies. I had no regrets in leaving Eleanor, but a darker side creeps up in me every now and then. Dark thoughts of what could and what should have fucking been. The feeling that it should have been me that killed that bitch Eleanor and not another woman. I might be in jail, but I would have been extremely satisfied. I know I just feel even more numb. Does this answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. Haunted. Gregory Shooter Galveston spurred his tired horse onward as he rode like the wind away from a detachment of heavily armed troop of U.S. soldiers. He was galloping so fast that he had a little bit of time to get an edge on them and make his move to escape. He rode down a canyon and escaped their line of sight. He knew they would be coming along shortly, so whatever decision he was going to make, he needed to make it fast. He got off his horse and saw a small but near-invisible alcove in the canyon. On one side of the canyon, it looked too narrow for passage, and it could be said that he fell off and could easily plummet to his death. He shook his head, knowing that it was either his survival or his horse. It was time for a ruse, as he smacked the majestic animal in the hindquarters and he galloped away. Shooter slid himself into the alcove and closed his eyes. A silent prayer went up to heaven as Shooter begged and pleaded with God. Lord... Get me out of this mess. I will never drink another drop again. I'll never kill another man again. I will definitely never sleep with another man again. 
Lord, please. The cavalry unit filtered into the canyon and saw that Shooter's horse was galloping away. The captain, a burly man named Thibodeau, who had a long handlebar mustache, gazed over the cliff, looking downward. Oh, hell. I think he fell off his goddamn horse. Let's go after it. Maybe it has his belongings in the satchel. Shooter thought, Fuck, I forgot my gun. It didn't seem to matter anymore as the cavalry left the canyon and headed after his horse. This was the break that he needed as he quickly exited the alcove and looked around suspiciously. His prayers were answered, but he had no intention of keeping his word anyway. As he thought, all of the soldiers left with the captain, and he quickly ran in the opposite direction of town. Hours later, Shooter realized how dumb of an idea it was for him to get rid of his horse. He walked for what seemed thousands of miles without food, water, or shelter. He avoided any horses that he might have come across by ducking into the large grass areas. Luckily, he kept his Colt revolver with him, with plenty of ammo in his gun belt. Dusk settled on the horizon as the chill of the valley began to wash over him like the tide. Shooter shivered as he looked up into the sky at the full moon. It lit the prairie in an eerie blue color, but helped him see well. Wolves or coyotes were indeed out tonight as the howls started wafting toward him from a distance. He patted his revolver like a security blanket. Man, I need to find a place quickly. Build a fire or something. I'm gonna die out here. A glimmer of light came from the east, and Shooter saw it. It came from an older cabin nearby. Shooter ran toward it instinctively, like a moth to flame, and ran up to the cabin. There was no fence, and it looked like there was no livestock or horses outside. He got up onto the porch area and knocked on the door. An eerie silence came from inside. He expected to hear a crack of a hammer or a shotgun or something, but nothing came. He knocked on the door once more. Hello? I, uh, mean you no harm. Just need a place to sleep for the night. Got no horse or anything. He opened the door and peered inside. No one was in the living area, but a nice warm fire was burning in the hearth. He closed the door of the cabin and then slowly walked inside with his hands up in the air. Hello. Hello? Greg. A door opened, and a man around the same age as Shooter came out from an adjacent room. He was a larger man with an auburn hairy body. He was stark naked in front of Shooter. Uh... Shooter closed his Tried eyes. Tried knocking. Nobody answered. Sorry to have bothered you. The man smirked as he walked over to the bed. Just got finished washing up a bit. Haven't had my full range of hearing since leaving the war. Sorry if I didn't answer. Usually the door is locked. I guess I'm getting senile in my older age. Shooter could hear the man pulling on a nightgown. He felt it was safe to open his eyes. The man looked back at him. The name's Jesse. You are... I'm Gregory. The horse left me high and dry while I was taking a shit. I saw your fire in the window and just need a place to stay for the night. Hmm... You look kind of familiar. Do I know you? Fuck, Shooter thought. I fucked this poor guy over something. How would I be familiar to him? Uh, guess I just have one of those faces, you know. 
Jesse just shrugged and sat down on the bed. Uh, there are some pillows and a spare blanket over there in the footlocker. If you're welcome to them for the evening, I only have one bed, though. So either you can join me here or sleep on the floor. Shooter cocked an eyebrow. Jo join you? It's a hard wooden floor, fella. I don't expect it to be more comfortable than sleeping on a pile of rocks. The bed here is big enough for both of us, but if you think I'm a dandy... Shooter knew what he meant. Homosexual tendencies were nothing for him. But sharing the bed with a complete stranger would be way too much. Well, it's okay. I don't want to intrude. I'll just sleep on the floor. And, you know, thank you kindly for letting me stay. Jesse climbed into his bed and pulled the covers over him as Shooter grabbed things out of the footlocker nearby. Which side of the war were you on? He knew Jesse had hurt him because there was a look on his face that made him feel awkward. I wasn't in the army. I was a, a farmer. My first home was destroyed by the Confederacy and spent some time in jail. And now I live here. Shooter could tell him from his tone that he would rather not talk anymore about it. Being the fact that he seemed to have a disdain for the South, he rather didn't want to get thrown out of his only chance for survival for pledging his allegiance to Jefferson Davis. That would have been absurd. Shooter took off his gun and laid it next to him. He didn't want Jesse to think that he was worried about him, but he wanted to feel safe nonetheless. If he was worried, he didn't show it, as several minutes after getting into bed, Jesse was fast asleep. The crackling of the flames lulled Shooter to sleep, as he was already past exhaustion. In the middle of the night, or at least what he thought was the middle of the night, Shooter began to hear strange noises like a grunting and heavy breathing. He opened his eyes to not only hear the, full, the fire still burning, but hear Jesse out of bed and dressed trying to open the door of the cabin. What? what? What's going on? We're snowed in, Gregory. There was a storm last night. Shooter noticed pins of light coming through the windows, but it all still looked like What night. are you talking about? It's still night. Shooter stood up. Jesse waved him over. Both men grabbed the door and began to pull. Finally, the door came open as the ice that had built up from the warmth of the fire had made a rather sheen sheet of ice over the hinges of the door. A seemingly arctic chill blew into the cabin. Oh, heavens to Betsy, that's cold. Jesse closed the door. Shooter looked outside. That snow has got to be several feet thick. Jesse sat down in an old rickety chair. We'll be okay for a few days, but we're going to run out of food soon. Thanks to the snow, however, we'll have plenty of fresh water. Just scoop, melt, and go. Shooter looked at the fireplace. It didn't matter about food and water if they were going to freeze to that. What about firewood? Do we have enough to keep the hearth burning? I don't know. I guess it depends on how you plan on staying, or how long. And if we can find more. I got four more logs, but after that... Shooter pointed outside. I can't go nowhere. You plan on kicking me out of here? Jesse pondered the question. No, not really. But I'm really going to need you for things around here. Shooter cocked an eyebrow. For what? If you wish to stay here, you need to make sure we're okay. 
Shooter grabbed his pistol, lifted it toward Jesse, and cocked back the hammer. Well, I don't like those terms, sir. So I'm gonna have to draft up some new ones. After the kindness I offered you, you're gonna shoot me because I asked you to do some chores? This is ridiculous. You ain't gonna throw me out of here. Because I don't want to do any chores. This is your home, not mine. If I leave this house, I'm a dead man. So I want to make sure that ain't gonna happen. He walked over to Jesse's bed and sat down, still keeping the pistol trained on Jesse. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling kind of frisky right now. Why don't you come over here and take off those clothes? Jesse stared at him sullenly. What? I liked what I saw last evening before you put on that darn nightshirt. Now come here and take off your clothes. I want to see you in all your glory. Jesse hesitated until Shooter taunted him more with his colt. Go ahead. You think I won't? He shot and grazed Jesse's right ah! Jesse fell to the ground and held his head. Get Shooter demanded. over here. It's my final warning. I could have killed you easily. And this would be my home right about now. Jesse winced as he stood up from the wooden floor, holding his ear. Shooter smirked. Now, as I was Before saying... Before Shooter could finish his sentence, the fire went out. The room became pitch black. Shooter didn't know if this had something to do with Jesse, but he shot twice in his general direction. The cold sapped all of the warmth out of his body as he tried to get the blanket on the bed and wrap himself in it. All he found was bones. Shooter stood up trying to find out why there were bones in the bed. He went to the window and opened it. It was still snowing, but the house that was his shelter, the house that was his safety, was nothing more than a ruse. The house didn't look like it had been lived in for a decade. The hearth hadn't had a fire inside of it for years. Inside the bed was the dead, decayed body of a man. Was this a joke? Bullshit! This has to be a joke! Alright, I won't shoot you. I've had enough. But you liked what you saw. You wanted me sexually. Spectre grabbed a shooter and hoisted him into the air. He fired his gun and could do nothing to hit. He was turned around and thrust down onto the bed. He was staring clear into the skull of the dead body lying there. A pale blue light came through the skull's eye sockets. What's the matter, baby? Don't I turn you on? Shooter's arms were pinned down onto the bed, and his corduroy pants were ripped clean from his buttocks. The chill of the winter air licked at him like a lollipop. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a night you will never forget. Shooter felt something hard press up against his anus. No! A day later, the United States Cavalry Unit, who was tracking Shooter, came across the desolate cabin on their way from patrol. There was no snow on the ground, but the air was chilly. Captain Thibodeau stared at the cabin. Hmm. I don't remember coming across that cabin before. He looked at two of his soldiers and pointed. You two, dismount. Follow me. Yes, sir. The men said as they began to dismount as the gruff captain dismounted his horse and grabbed his Winchester rifle. The others pulled their pistols and slowly walked up to the cabin. Yes, sir, man, anyone at home? Only the sounds of buzzers greeted him from outside as he walked up the porch of the cabin. His rifle butt attached his shoulder in ready position as he opened the door. He saw that the cabin hadn't been lived in for several years at least. 
A small layer of dust had accumulated on all of the furniture inside. Hello? He walked into the cabin, further flanked by two men. Thibodeau's eyes widened as he came into the living area. Good God in heaven. The pungent smell of blood came wafting to their noses as they saw Shooter Galveston bent over a bed with a femur bone shoved up his ass. Two skeletons looked as if they were pinning him down to the rickety bed. Shooter's eyes hung open lifelessly as if staring into the unknown. Jesus, Captain Shooter Galveston. The captain turned to his shoulder and tilted his hat. He walked over to the corpse. Makes sense, you know. Our records say that Shooter was a Confederate soldier, part of that, uh, part of a unit that raped soldiers in Andersonville. Shooter was a Miss Dancy? He liked men? <laughs> uh, that's unclear, as he had both male and female lovers, but... He was court-martialed after his superiors found out about a farmer who was accidentally mistaken for a U.S. soldier. <clears throat> the Confederates were on their way to releasing the fellow when they found out Galveston and his butt buddies decided to have fun with him. He ended up killing the farmer and deposited him in a shallow grave. The Confederates court-martialed Galveston and his friends. If you didn't tell me that the farmer was already dead, I would have thought that was a revenge killing. The captain looked up at his soldiers with a gleam of intrigue. Well, maybe it was. You have heard our double-stuffed episode of Dark Charm Presents. The first story, What Have I Done? In the cast, Debbie, played by Stacey Atwell, Eleanor, played by Nicole Slaughter, and Billy, played by Danny Atwell. In Haunted, you heard as the gatekeeper, Daniel Mac McCloskey. Shooter Galveston was played by Robert Hunter. Jesse, Cap and Thibodeau were both played by Danny Atwell. Soldier One played by Fu Pham. And Soldier Two played by also Daniel McCloskey. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Stay tuned next time for more Dark Charm Presents. <laughs>